Uh, hello, everybody online. We know that you probably may not be able to come into the building, but there are ways that you can serve uh, this church and the body of Christ in the world at large. And so we hope that you'll look for ways to do that. Um, you can find out information about the church, ccmonline.org. Uh, and also we'll be receiving communion together in a little bit. So at home, make sure that you have your bread or your juice or something like that. And we will receive communion as a corporate community. And so if you're online, we say hello and we say welcome. And, and yes, and we just want to follow up what is happening um, in our lives with prayer. Because God is able to make all grace abound to you. And last week we prayed um, for little Chloe Uh, Two people put the prayer request in, by the way, and no, she did not end up having an appendicitis, thanks be to God, right? And um, somebody wrote, uh, somebody was writing last week about the the power of the post-it note, that that landed with them in a really particular way. Because, friends, um, there's something about joining together. We're praying alone, and then we pray together, and there is power in this place when we pray. Yes? From our mouths to God's ear. So let's together pray these prayers. And and we're like, we're going to pray, right? And we're going to ask us all to come into agreement. Where, you know, Jesus said, hey, can I get two or three of you out there to agree on something? Anything. And I think together we want to agree on prayers for people that we care about. People that we're concerned for. And so everybody, whatever way you pray, lifting your head up, bowing your head, however you want to pray, just make room for God to do what only God can do when we pray. And so together, praying for the surgery to go well, everybody holding this to God. In Jesus' beautiful name. Um, prayers for Chloe and thankfulness for answer prayers for Chloe. Yes, in Jesus' name. You guys want to thank God? Go ahead, go ahead. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. I pray for kids in our school. And so, God, together we are praying for the kids in the schools. Just lift up names of kids, everyone. Kids that you know just need God's touch and kids that you're not aware of that God might lay on your heart right now as you're holding kids up to God. Trusting you, God, with all of these kids we're naming. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praying for Gaza and everything that's happening out there. Peace, praying for healing, praying that the war ends and cease fire. In Jesus' name. Yes, in Jesus' name. That we would make war no more. We turn our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. I have another one for war zones. And so, God, we pray for all of the war zones that, God, that the Prince of Peace that the deep peace of Christ would invade souls that want to make war. And they would be so overwhelmed by your presence, God, that they'd make new choices. 
and that you would protect all the lives that are caught up in these things that have made no decision to be a part. Would you help, God, we pray. All God's people saying amen and amen. Father God, we pray for Haiti and everything that's happening in Haiti right now. We pray for your continued peace, your continued protection over them. And we pray that you guide them and fill your spirit amongst all of them in Haiti and Mm -hmm. the whole community and the whole country of Haiti. Yes, Lord Jesus. And especially for the teacher's family this week who uh, passed away. And for all the children who were taught by this teacher at our school in Haiti, that the deep peace of Christ and comfort of God would come. Pray for my daughter-in-law who, uh, who, whose mom passed this last Friday as she navigates grief. Everyone, Lord, in your mercy, you hear prayers. For comfort. I just want to say I love Jesus and thank you, Jesus, for all of that. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have yes, done. Yes. For your grace and your mercy, mm. for coming not to judge the world, but to save the world mm. through you. And we just want to say thank you for everything. Yes, and for we giving do. us the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And for this person who's praying for a preborn baby on this day, and for the mama who's carrying. And we hold these two to you, God, knowing that you are the protector. You are the creator and redeemer of all. Everyone together, Lord, in your mercy, we know you hear our prayers. Father, we also pray for Crossroads, and we pray for everybody at Crossroads. We pray for our pastors, Pastor Scott and Pastor Claire. We pray for the direction that Crossroads is heading in. We pray for your prosperity, for your mercy, and for your grace, and for your blessings to just flow Mm -hmm. through everything that Crossroads do. I pray that we reach the masses Mm -hmm. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And if you could just put your hand on the shoulder of someone near you and just bless them today in whatever their prayers are. Get near somebody. Somebody come on over here. Yeah, yeah. We are praying for all the prayers that are being carried in our friends' hearts. And we speak the beautiful name of Jesus for all their cares and concerns. And God, we thank you that you will show up in ways that are ordinary and miraculous. And we pray, God, that they would see your tender guidance, your loving hand, your powerful move in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everybody said amen and amen. Charles and Jill, why don't you lead us in communion? Let's stand together. (laughs) You thought you were going to get to sit down. I mean, but you can if you need to, no problem. She beat me to it. So let's just posture ourselves now for uh, the presence of Jesus with us today. Where two or more are gathered, the scripture says that he is in our midst. And essentially where we're standing right now is holy ground. 
So as we consider that, we'll continue with this communion process, and I will start, and then we will have a area that is in bold print that we can all recite together. You, O oh God, reorder the world into right relationship. You lift high those made low. You humble the arrogant. You hear the earth groaning. You hear your people praying. All together, with this hope and assurance, we turn to the witness of Jesus, whose teachings lead us. We seek Christ's wisdom, courage, and radical commitment to love. On the night of his arrest, Jesus shared a meal with his companions. He took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took the cup. He blessed it and shared it, saying, this cup that is poured out as the new covenant. In remembrance of the love that saves us, let's proclaim these words of faith, hope, and love. Christ was birthed among us. Christ died and reconciled us. Christ rose and rises again among us now. May your presence in these gifts make this bread and this cup a holy encounter for us. Remind us that resurrection is a promise granted to us. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and God's kingdom is always among us. May we be nourished that we might nourish others. You may come up for communion to receive from pastors. You can go to the back if you want to get your own communion cup. So let's lift up the offering and say, oh God, do the miraculous as we lean on you and lean on one another. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who taught us how to lean. In Jesus' name. And then after you bring up your offering, we're going to let the kids just go up singing this song to each other. Because it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Well, amen. Good morning. Isn't it good to be in church with people you can call when yes. you need a hand? It's <laughs> yes, there was a lot of lion's gear today. I think there was a request for a picture after church um, up in the cafe, if you're interested in that. Well, welcome to Crossroads. I'm excited to share a few ways that you can connect with us socially, grow personally and spiritually, and serve each other in the weeks to come. If you're new with us, we're so glad you're here. We want you here. We're, we'd love to hear more about your story. If you're in the room, um, we'll have someone at the Next Steps kiosk in the back after the service who has a free gift for you and would just love to get to know you a bit. Um, or you can follow this QR code online um, to learn a little bit about Crossroads and we can learn a bit, little bit about you. Um, so we have a lot of holiday announcements today. Um, starting next Sunday after the service, Karen Carpenter is going to have an awesome table set up with fair trade marketplace items. If you want to buy Christmas gifts that you know are made with honest work, but this work, this stuff also profits our global mission, rescuing um, women and children um, who need help. So 
Um, that's going to be the next three Sundays. Um, also, alongside of that, we're going to have a table um, of books and things from Crossroads that um, if you purchase those items, that money goes back to CCM. And we would love to shop with you this Christmas. Um, and then we wanted to let you know about some opportunities the weekend of December 2nd and 3rd. Um, there's so much goodness going on. So there's going to be a men's breakfast Saturday morning, um, which is a wonderfully hosted space with Sean Lowridge and Ed Edwards cooking up breakfast. Um, and then afterwards, there's going to be a finance class with Pastor Scott following up on our Abundant Life Sermon series. That was so good the last month or so. Um, and this is going to be a chance to personally apply. If you have questions about your own personal finances, um, this is a great space to kind of workshop with Pastor Scott and other people who are trying to create more financial flow that honors the kingdom of God in Amen. your life. And then Sunday, we're going to have child dedications. So if you have a new baby, um, my baby's going to be dedicated. I'd love to dedicate them with your baby. <laughs> so um, go ahead and get registered for that, though, so we have gifts and all of that ready for you. And then we wanted to let you know Christmas camp is back. Um, Stacy works up beautiful things for our children during Advent. And we're so grateful that they get to journey with us in the liturgical calendar because of her hard work. But we also need volunteers upstairs. I don't know if you know this, but we have about double the amount of kids we did a year ago in wow. Children's yeah. Church, awesome. which is amazing. And we're so grateful that you trust us with your kids. And if you would like to volunteer and spend some time with kids once a month, um, Christmas camp is an awesome way to try it out. Because Stacy does all the main teaching, and you get to just hang out with the kids and help them participate. Um, so you can scan this QR code to sign up to volunteer if you would like. And then um, I want to let you know about our chili cook-off coming off. This um, event is really just Christmas at Crossroads. Chili cook-off just lets you know what it is. And <laughs> Jeff and uh, Aaron Anderson are doing an awesome job of leading this and helping us along the way. Thank you, Jeff and Aaron. Um, can you raise your hands just so people know to find you? Um, if you would like to make a chili or help set up or um, have any questions, Aaron's going to be at the Next Steps kiosk afterwards. Um, we have 30 auction items already for a silent auction, and they're good auction items. Like, we're talking a night at Villa on Verona, and I heard about a processed deer, potentially. There are a lot of fun things. Wow. Um, so this is a great space to come and shop for Christmas items. Um, as well as just to be with our um, CCM family over the holidays, um, eat some chili. It is pay what you like, but if you know Erin, you know she bakes. And there are going to be baked goods to purchase, so bring some cash for that as well. And she wanted um, me to let you know that the lions and bears are playing at 1 o'clock that day, and we know about that, and it will be playing. <laughs> so whichever side of that you're on, uh, you can participate in all of the things wow. you love that day. I said a lot you're welcome. Wow. Thank you, Aaron, for recognizing our needs, right, before yes. we even ask for them. There's even going to be food for kids who don't like chili. Like, they are thinking through it all. So um, the last thing I want to say is thank you for joining us. And if you want to stay after church to help us decorate for Christmas, we're going to have a ton of fun. Um, so we'll head up to the cafe after church. Stacy's got pizza and we've got some cookies and we'll give you some tasks to do. The church has been decorated mainly by three people in the last year. And if you've seen it at Christmas time, there's dozens of Christmas trees. And so we figured this year we could all join in the fun. If you didn't register, it's okay. Don offered to get extra pizzas 
if we need them. So we hope that you can all stay and help make this place beautiful for the holidays. Wait, so. wait. And it's not just decorate. It's You're... also cleaning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you prefer cleaning to decorating, I'll be leading a cleaning team. Yes. But I think our number one priority is that the church gets decorated for Christmas. So that Stacy <laughs> and Nancy aren't decorating all week long. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. I'm hoping I don't have to sign up to eat chili. Wow. Hi, everyone. I loved last week. Not, uh, I actually came here last week. I, I was visiting Crossroads. I showed up, started feeling, started feeling not well uh, after I'd been up several hours last Sunday. And about a half hour before I got here, I told Claire, I said, I don't know if this is going to work out today. But I love that Karen and Neil, we were talking a bit ago, and they, they said, well, we love that you, you put yourself through the same thing you put your kids through when they were little. If you've never heard the stories, um, like I was, the, I was that parent that always felt like, you know, you can go to school, you know, and I always thought they were faking. So it was, there was a whole process. It's like, well, yeah, I know you don't feel good, but why don't you take a shower? Let's see how you feel after you take a shower. So I took a shower. Still felt horrible. And then I would, I, so then I, and I actually, I literally thought this. I, I thought, I have to do this process because I used to make my kids do it. So I uh, wasn't feeling real great, but I, and I told Claire, I said, I don't know how this is going to go. And then the next thing I would do is I would say, well, we're going to take you to school. And then, you know, once you're there, see how you're doing. And at least stay for the beginning of school. And then if you're not feeling good, call and usually they wouldn't call. That was a whole strategy I had. Um, and then, you know, and then when they would call, I'd say, well, how about if you try to stay till lunch? You know, and I would like try to keep them, as I know it's horrible. Um, well, I'm not as tough as my kids. So I walked in, I went straight up to my office. Then I walked over and stayed a distance from Don and just said, hey, I'm going home. Uh, I was supposed to lead communion, but looks like uh, I need you to do that today. So he did. Grateful for that. And home I went. But I did get to watch online. What a gift. Thank God for everybody that puts that together. Let's hear it for that team, right? And we've got people obviously watching online this morning. And we'll watch during the week the, the replays and stuff. So we're so grateful for that. Um, but I loved Claire's joke about the last time I missed church because I was sick my brother had hair. I thought that was such a great, and it was true, but technically we didn't miss church. It was in the original, the cafe was the original auditorium. It was in that room. Claire and I both had the flu, and um, I, I called Sean, this was before cell phones, called Sean at like four in the morning and said, hey, we have the flu over here. I, I need you to do the talk today. So he did this amazing talk on being ready in season and out of season for what God had for you. And he just came in with bedhead. His hair was all messed up. It was all part of the shtick. And he was so awesome. But thankfully, Claire was speaking last week, so I didn't have to do that to Sean or anybody else. Uh, Claire was already ready. But anyway, thank you for your prayers. I'm feeling a lot better, um, if anybody cares. But those that might care... Thanks for that. that. That's my testimony. You know, I was kind of chuckling. Um, 
as we were talking about the whole financial thing, and uh, thanks, Hannah, for talking about that, trying to help one another with personal finances. Um, but we've been, we've been having conversation around practice makes permanent, and we've been having some real specific conversations around um, some things that have been going on in the church at Crossroads, and we've been having some uh, smaller groups that we've been having some conversations with. But this morning I want to talk to you all about some things we've been talking about around here, and it's kind of tied into uh, the practice of giving, but also the practice of serving. Um, so I just, it's just the practice of helping. The practice of helping becoming permanent. Uh, recently, I was in a conversation with a business owner, business leader in the community or in the area, and this person and this business um, is a business that on all surface measures, you would say they're just like hitting it out of the park. You would have that assumption on the outside, and in many ways they are. Um, so we're having this conversation, and um, anyway, this, this business owner told me, just said, it has been so hard. You know, COVID has been so hard in so many ways. Just the conversation we've all been having over the last few years, right? It's been so hard in so many ways. And this, this owner was talking about, um, like, you know, the employees not showing up and not just not doing good personally and having a hard time filling uh, shifts and stuff. And then uh, she mentioned that, uh, she said, you know, but what's really gotten crazy is the meltdowns of my managers. Like, my managers are just melting down and not able to help the employees and stuff that I thought were just kind of elemental for my managers. And it's just like everybody's taking a step back. And she said, you know, you and Claire, you probably should come up with a seminar on post-COVID recovery um, because I think everybody could really use that seminar. So we'll just say welcome to the seminar this morning. This is part of it. It happens every Sunday and during the week in places throughout the community, right? Um, but I think we can all relate to that, right? Like on the surface, it may look like it's like hitting it out of the park, in all of our lives, and in many ways, maybe it is, and we're so grateful for that. But all of us have been affected by what's gone on over the last uh, few years, and not just in our country, but let's just talk about the world that we kind of most relate to. And um, it's just been, it's been crazy. Now, some things that have been happening just in general in nonprofit world um, have also been happening, obviously, in the church. And what has happened, uh, and also some of those things have happened in our own lives, but it's really indicative of some core things. I think it's really complex. I don't think that there would be a lot of easy answers to any of these conversations, but I do think there's some really significant things for us to pay attention to because there are symptoms that are really helpful for us to have clues on what in the world's going on with me or with us or with us or with the greater body of Christ or greater nonprofit world? Um, what has happened, you know, is 
we all know there's like this emotional and mental, physical, spiritual stresses that we've gone through. It's different. We go through those things all the time, but it's been different. Relational stresses, fiscal stresses, the feeling perhaps of isolation, fear, worry, anger, anxiety, the challenges for educational needs that our children and maybe we as adults might have, uh, these stresses that have accumulated. And then, you know, we're all trying to kind of move forward together and we're reacting to one another at times in not the most healthy way. But, uh, and I could go on and you could give me a big long list as well, right? None of those things I think are surprising for any of us. Uh, but what we have noticed um, had already started uh, in, in just the activity in our culture was the significant decline in volunteerism and the significant decline in giving uh, financially. It, it has really accelerated. And it's not just in the church, but it is in the church. And it's not just in the nonprofit world, but it is in nonprofit world. And it's really accelerated uh, over these past few years. And Crossroads has not been exempt from that at all. Um, and so, so we want to we we have a conversation around how do we help, like what is needed, and pay attention to some of the things that are, are said. I love this scripture in Psalm 118, and this is just a variety of verses out of Psalm 118. And I, it, this scripture so speaks to me because this is the thing. I feel like I have this incredible excitement in me uh, and optimism in the midst of what seems like an, a very, it doesn't seem like, it's an extremely unique moment in the history of the life I've lived, and I'm sure for all of you in, in many ways as well, but the opportunity for the church to respond to this vacuum that has been created. And I think there's some really important things for us to pay attention to. But I, I take such pleasure in this scripture. I just It's how it has felt, and it's how I feel this morning, honestly. Pushed to the wall, I called to God from the wide open spaces God answered. God's now at my side, and I'm not afraid. I was right on the cliff edge, ready to fall when God grabbed and held me. God's my strength, also my song, and now my salvation. The hand of God has turned the tide. Everyone just say that, turn the tide. Whatever tide needs to be turned in your life this morning, I pray that this scripture just brings you that encouragement and begins that process or accelerates that process in your life. The hand of God has turned the tide. The hand of God is raised in victory. The hand of God has turned the tide. I didn't die. I lived. And now I'm telling the world what God did. Isn't that evangelism? Isn't that, isn't that the invitation for us to share the love of God with other people? So I don't know if any of that jumps out to you or if all of it jumps out to you, but I just feel like we're at this place where, as it refers in Romans 8, for instance, where it says, you know, the things that the enemy has meant for your destruction... God has now turned it for your good. 
I feel like we're at one of those moments of opportunity in the church that's beautiful. So, as I said, you know, one of the problems or one of the manifestations is this significant drop in giving across the board in the church uh, in the United States, for instance. Giving is anywhere, it depends on who you're talking to, what study you look at, 20 to 50% just during COVID. And then when it comes to volunteerism, volunteerism was going down before COVID, but it's really accelerated since COVID started. And there are going to be a lot of reasons for that, right? Some people were just maybe afraid to be in crowds, so they stopped volunteering or whatever. But there's a lot of different things. And we all, you know, we all just pay attention. But like this drop in giving, we have really good friends on the East Coast that are a part of a really large church. And they were on the pastoral staff at one point. Now they're, they're, they just help leaders in the church. Uh, but they, uh, in, since COVID kind of technically officially ended, we know it didn't end, but since it, you know, all the lockdowns and everything ended, their church is twice as large today as it was when it ended. You know, like even Hannah saying that the children's ministry's got twice as many kids. So imagine this. They have twice as many people, and they have half as much money as they had before they had the numerical growth. And those are not unusual stories, and Crossroads income has been affected since COVID. Thank God that we were led to do some adjustments immediately, because like at your house, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, We didn't know how long anything was going to last, but God led us to make some adjustments to pursue some things, and we continue that process that's still going on. And many people have responded, and we're grateful for that, and we just want to continue to see that happen. But anyway, the whole financial thing and the volunteerism thing is so connected in my mind. You know, um, you've probably heard that saying, time is money, right? And I grew up in a house where my dad... And mom, they didn't really sit down and talk to us a lot about money. We just, we saw a work ethic. We'd see a paycheck occasionally, like they would show it to us. And we'd learn little things. But they were pretty simple people. Um, But very generous people and great. But like my dad, he would, this is like, you might have heard this saying before that um, money is time in foldable form. So, This is how I learned this when I was growing up, is my dad would say these things. He worked at a steel mill, and he would say, you know, um, you know, those uh, those tennis shoes that you have, that cost me a double. Like, in other words, I worked for 16 hours of my life to pay for those shoes, and he would say it about our ball gloves, and it was just his way. He wasn't saying it in like a negative, he just wanted us to know, like, I spent part of my life. Like, my time to make sure that you had good shoes and and good, it it was meaningful to him. And there's a truth to it, right? So the volunteerism thing and the money thing, the financial thing, I think are really tied because they both get pushed to the limit. Now, the scripture that I want to spend a couple of minutes on here is one of those scriptures, you know how Jesus says stuff and you hear him, and it's like, Jesus couldn't have said that because that's just too mean to be Jesus, Like, it just comes off as harsh, right? And a big part of that a lot of times is just, I don't think, you know, culturally we don't understand the world Jesus was living in, for instance. 
So there's a lot of nuance to stuff to, to have some conversation about. But this is great, too, because this is Jesus' brother. Now, as we read this scripture, this is James. This is out of James. As we read this scripture, I want you to understand something. Keep in your mind, James writes this about uh, what he's seeing, but understand that James was not a believer in his brother as the Messiah, as most of us would fully understand, right? Like if you have a sibling, it's like you're growing up with them, it's like, yeah, right, that's the Messiah. Anyway, I know that's how my siblings felt about me. But then James has this encounter with Jesus, his brother, after the resurrection. So keep in mind that when James starts to say these things, he's got a very eternal perspective. His brother has raised from the dead. And I don't care if it's your brother or who it is, if you've seen someone raised from the dead and then they've had conversations with you, you might have an eternal perspective too. You might not believe in Jesus today, but James talked to him after he resurrected from the dead, right? So his perspective is really, really amazing. And here's one of those scriptures. It's like the kind of stuff he would hear from his brother, right? And you read it, and you're like, man, that is harsh stuff. And I want to help us understand it for us today as we move forward. Now listen, you rich people. Think about who in the room that's talking about, because you know it's not you. You don't think it's you, at least. Give me a minute. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Come on. This guy's not even, he's a sentence in, and I feel like he's treating me like horrible here. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. This guy is hardcore. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Now, that's only three verses. Um, there's, it goes on. Um, but I had mercy on myself and then you. As I read that, I thought, I can't take more than three verses of this this morning. Here's, the, here's some of the challenge from James. It's because when we, we hear anything about rich people, it's not us, right? We, we don't feel rich. Like, who, who are these rich people he's talking about? He was certainly talking about a specific group of people, but he's also speaking to us with this scripture. So who are the rich people? Rich people aren't loved more. He kind of tells us here, and I'll, I'll break this down a little bit. You're just, we're just invited to proportionate responsibility, commensurate responsibility. We're just invited to what, you know, the scripture where it says, to whom much is given, much is called for. It's just like, what's our responsibility? And that's unique to each one of us, and it's unique to us as a church. We have a responsibility. And when a person begins to accumulate, temptation is for, for the trust that they have to migrate. When you and I begin to accumulate things, the, the temptation, it doesn't mean you take the bait, but the temptation, it doesn't mean that I take the bait. The temptation is that my trust begins to migrate to stuff instead of God. And I think this is one of the big culprits that's happening. I think there's a migration happening in our hearts that we need to pay attention to. 
Now, some of you may be aware of this, but by worldwide standards, um, well, let me just say this first. Of course, we don't feel rich, and there may be a variety of reasons why we don't feel rich. Uh, for some of us, it's like I have no margin financially in my life or in my time, my time clock. So remember, we're connecting our time and our money. So I don't feel like I have any margin, so I'm not wealthy there. I, I don't have peace around these things, so I can't be rich because all rich people have peace. We know that, right? Like if rich people all are peaceful. You've, you've seen some of them on TV. They're just always peaceful. And then we got this problem of comparison, right? Like Facebook and, uh, you know, Instagram, and you're watching people that you think make about the same kind of money as you or have the same kind of household income, and they're like flying all over the world, and you're like, how's that happen? Well, they probably made those pictures up. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they, maybe they robbed a bank or something. I don't know, but that's a problem for us, right? Like we're watching the comparison. It's like, how do they do so much better? I think I, you know. So that becomes a problem. Now, understand this. When James is talking here, he's specifically talking about rich people, and we want to check out from this scripture. But have you ever heard about the 1%? Of course we have, right, because we always talk about it when it comes to the taxation conversation. 1%, the 1% in the world get brought up a lot, or 1% in our country, actually. Um, the reality is, for most of us, we are the 1%. In 2018, to be a part of the 1% Club worldwide, so just before the pandemic, $33,000 a year household income made you part of the 1%. So if you made $33,000 per year in 2018, you would have been considered one of the 1% uh, income uh, bearers in the world for your household. But it, it even gets a little bit more uh, intense once the pandemic starts because, of course, we all know that the pandemic took all of our money from all of us. But actually, um, it's, there's, there's a real crazy dynamic that's happened. And between 2019-2022 uh, was the greatest increase in the average net worth on record for U.S. households a 37% increase in net worth, which is really how much wealth, how, much, how rich you are, if you want to use that terminology, 37% increase. Why was that? Because home prices went way up, right? Um, the second thing is the stock market increased in a pretty healthy way for the most part, and then stimulus checks. Now, the reason that it shifted... Uh, so those are the primary reasons, not the only reasons, but there's, there's, there's something really common there. Uh, first of all, it gives more money ultimately to those that are at the top 1% or the top people that own a home, for instance. If you don't own a home, it didn't help you. If that didn't help you, that didn't increase your net worth. If you don't have stock, that didn't help you. But the people that did have stock, of course, are the people that have more, so they have more. Um, and I, Claire and I have stock. We, we have a, a, I don't want to call it a retirement fund because we don't know that we'll ever retire. But, you know, there will come a point when that may be how we'll take care of the, our needs. So I'm not saying, and we do have a home. 
And then the stimulus piece. So for some of us, the poorest among us use stimulus to pay for gas because the price of gas was going through the ceiling, right? But some of us, because we didn't need that stimulus check, we just put that stimulus check in the bank or maybe we bought some stocks or maybe we bought some home improvements so now our house is worth even more. So you hear that, right? So this is what starts to happen. So when James starts to talk about rich people, he might be talking about us. So now, in that culture, James, the Old Testament thinking and what, what they were trying, what James is trying to address, I believe, partially in the New Testament here with this scripture and what Jesus was trying to address is there was this sense, like when you read the Old Testament and the way things were, and even some of the challenges that they gave Jesus about, you know, uh, who who sinned, you know, my brother this, and all this, these conversations would come up. It was always like, there was always like a cause and effect, right? So the general assumption was rich people were loved by God more, just in simple terms. And James is addressing it basically here, and he's saying, no, that's not true. Rich people just have a commensurate responsibility that needs to be paid attention to. They're not loved any more than the next person. They're loved just the same way as the next person. But what's the responsibility? So rich people aren't loved more. They're just invited to proportional or commensurate or greater responsibility. Not that equal. This is the brilliance, for instance, of percentage giving. This really is one of the brilliances of tithing, for instance. If you're unfamiliar with tithing, it's just the biblical concept of giving 10% of your income. But this is the brilliance of it. Because it's not, it's not about equal amounts, it's about equal, it's about equal sacrifice. So I, there's this joke I heard uh, years ago about this guy. He goes to his small group, and, you know, he's just starting out in his career, and he's asking his small group to pray for him. He's like, I, I have this opportunity. I'm only making, like, $15,000 a year. I just This new job would be $50,000 a year. And they pray for him, and lo and behold, he gets the job. And, you know, years later, he's moving on. He comes in one night, and, you know, of course, everybody's getting older, and everybody has got great relationship with one another. It's a great small group. And he comes in one night, and he's complaining. He says, you know, I remember that night when God moved and did that thing in my career, and I went from $15,000 a year to $50,000 a year, and how grateful I was for that. He says, now... I make $50,000 in a month, and I'm giving way more than I ever gave. So the, meet, the person that was leading the meeting says, well, great. I'm glad to hear that. We're going to pray for you tonight, that your income can go back to what it was when you felt like you were giving at a level you wanted to give at. Obviously, nobody would want that prayer. He's like, well, wait a minute. You know, maybe I'm okay with this whole process None of us would want to pray for less. So James just says, look, we're not nobody here. This isn't about shame and guilt. This is about responsibility. And then James goes on. He makes this comment, misery is coming on us. Now, when he says misery is coming on a person or a rich person, he's simply talking about here regret or the worry or anxiety that comes with the more responsibility that comes. Because as I joked around a minute ago, rich people never worry about stuff, right? They don't worry. They don't worry about their things. But again, when we begin to accumulate, 
The temptation is for our trust to migrate towards stuff and not God. Now, I am not saying, when I, when I made the, the illustration of the net worth of the average household in the United States is up 37% uh, since the pandemic started, I am not saying there's not huge fiscal challenges out there. Do not hear that from me. But what I am saying is I want all of us to test which direction our heart is migrating. Is my reliance on God migrating toward my stuff and my time, or is it migrating toward what God wants from those things out of my life? This is one of the struggles that people that lack don't really have to worry as much about. They have other worries. But if you're in lack, you don't have as big a temptation around your accumulation. The problem with accumulation becomes that we hold on to our time and treasure till they're no longer good for anyone or anything. You see that portion of scripture there where he says things start to rot and things, moths start to eat things and they corrode? Is what happens, the temptation begins to shift and the things that we really don't need anymore, we hold on to for the what-ifs of life. And we're all, we, we're all guilty of, of it at times. You know, I, this morning I went to get a t-shirt out of my dresser and there was a cell phone sitting there. It was the last cell phone that I had. My cell phone is about to get traded in for another cell phone. And that cell phone has been sitting there because when I got the new one, I thought I might need that. And here I am now, I don't know, it's probably been about four years later. And that phone would have been really helpful for somebody. Or I could have sent it to some shop that would have given me some money for it, and I could have given the money to somebody. But this is what happens, because there's a lot of what-ifs. See, so the issue isn't how much comes in, but it's about how things are stacking up. We have some cards to pass out to you guys. If, if those of you that I asked to pass those out could pass, pass these out real quick. They look like this. And on one side, it just says, how can I help and how can I give? Do you guys have those cards already? Okay. Oh, there's some over here. Yeah, so as, as those guys are passing those out, I'm going to keep telling you something. So, so James goes on, and, and I, I want to start to pull this together in this sense of Man, we're blessed people. I love that we're heading into Thanksgiving. Next week, we're going to be talking about gratitude, the practice of gratitude. But we needed to come here first, right? And then he makes this curious statement. James says, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. And some of you are thinking, yep, this is the last days. But, you know, James wrote this a couple thousand years ago. Uh, And maybe he was referring to the last of last days. Some people say, well, he was talking about, you know, immediately as the Gospels and the epistles were written that we were talking about, you know, that started this clock for Jesus' second coming, those kinds of things. But I'll tell you one thing that he's definitely saying. I don't know for sure what he's saying, but one thing I know he for sure he's saying 
is he's saying we all are in our last days. It's like your clock will run out. Jesus may not come back for you, but you are headed in the direction of heaven, right? You have hoarded wealth in the last days. So think about it in these terms. You and I will almost certainly run out of time before we run out of money. If you've ever cleaned out, like, you know, Claire and I and my siblings, we've cleaned out uh, Claire's parents' house, condo, and we've cleaned out my mom's condo, we've cleaned out my dad and mom's house when my dad passed away. If you've ever cleaned out anybody's house, you might have had this sensation, even people that are really pretty generous, like Claire and I would consider our parents really generous people. We learned a lot from them in the area of generosity, so grateful for that. But, you know, I remember the amount of stuff. Like when we moved my mom from Melvindale to, uh, she moved into a condo, a brewer farms across the street uh, for the last couple years of her life. And this was after my dad passed away, and my mom was convinced that all the clutter was my dad's, and she had this gigantic, of course it was his, right? And she wasn't totally wrong, but we had this, she had this gigantic kind of yard sale, went on for days, uh, and then we, we all, you know, took any kind of clothes or memorabilia kind of stuff that he had, um, and when all that was said and done, she, we loaded up. Uh, I know it was at least one box truck, and we took it to Goodwill or St. Vincent de Paul, something like that. Well, then when my mom passed away, or when my mom moved out here, she was sure she had downsized and everything, and she was moving into a condo. So we had moved, Sean and I had driven out a couple of box trucks full of things. We filled her garage, we filled her condo. Certainly the condo was smaller than her small house she had in Melvindale. But I have to admit, and this is true confessions, Sean and I with the last box truck that was coming to Marshall, we pulled up to the church dumpster. Mom, I'm so sorry. I, she, she, she saw this. But it, but it wasn't like it wasn't the stuff she was using, and we put it all in the dumpster. And she never asked for any of it. She never asked for any of it, and we were pretty confident she wasn't going to ask for any of it. But that is our lives. Your time, I've been pastoring for a long time. I've been with people a lot that are at end of life. I have to be honest with you. I have never, I'm sure it happens, but I have never met a person that ran out of stuff before time. Now, I'm sure it happens, but it's not happened in my experience. So what do we want to do about that? Here's the thing. I'm telling you a story about my mom and dad and Claire's mom and dad, but I'm not foolish enough to not realize that my children and your children aren't going to be telling, they're not going to have a story about you and me. So for the next generation, what will that story about our stuff and our time be? How about our community and our region? What story will they tell about Crossroads Church? 
and about our stuff and about our time. I want to tell you guys, Claire and I love being around this region because so many people that many of them would not call themselves Christ followers are so proud of what you do. They love the crossroads they know. So that's the question. What's the story our community and region will tell about our stuff as Crossroads Church and Ministries in our time? And probably more importantly, what's the story that we want them to tell? I've kind of got a tweaked uh, definition of evangelism today. And I, I just approach life kind of like this that I believe that everyone matters to God even if God doesn't seem to matter to them. And the work we do here and the, the outreaches we do here and the work we do in the house is so important. And you don't need a badge that says you're a Christ follower to receive the goodness of God in your life. That's what loving your neighbor is about. So the card simply says on one side, how can I help? And there's some suggestions there. Kids Church in December, kind of the announcements that Hannah just led us through. Or maybe there's just something else. You just say, you know what, I got some time. I'd like to help out. And then how can I give? I want to say this. There's been, because of conversations that have already been happening, there's been extra giving above what you guys normally give of over $20,000 already. There's been an amazing response. Yeah. Uh, It's been remarkable, so absolutely grateful. But we're a family, and we want to be in this together. And again, some of you would say, well, that's fine. I, I don't have an extra $20 a month. That's, there are people that have $40 extra a month. It may not be your responsibility to do $20 a month, but what we need to find out for each one of us is what can I do? How can I help? How can I lean into the practice of help? The reason that we don't say it that way, the reason why we've never said, if you can just give an extra $10, is that very reason, is because that's, different, that's a different equation for each one of us. So we have a great opportunity before us. Guys, as I said, ultimately this circles back around to I think the church and I think Crossroads, we are perched in a place to see some of the most remarkable things we've ever seen in our church history. And it's this. You are not locking eyes with anybody in the community right now that does not have some kind of need. And mainly those things are connected to their spiritual need. Everybody's in this together. Everybody's trying to recover from whatever we just lived through the last few years. And if we can respond in a powerful way with our time and our treasure and our talents, I think God can do remarkable things with that. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm already seeing it happen. Sound good? So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, even as we have these cards in front of us, We just pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts, that you'd be with us, God. We so thank you for Crossroads. So thank you for each and every person that calls Crossroads home. And we pray, God, that 
we would start at the household of faith, taking care of the needs in this house, God. And then out of that, Lord, let us move out and share your love with this world that we are in contact with that is so desperately trying to find its way, so desperately turning to the things that they feel like will be helpful for them. The same kind of struggles we're talking about. Stuff, trying to hoard time and stuff. God, let us move into those spaces, bring blessing to those that are doing the work that needs to be done and also those that are waiting to have their prayer answered, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Love you so much.